Welcome to the Redemption Channel. My name is Matthew, and we're in a series called Keep It Simple. Enjoy the message. Good morning. My name's Stephen. If you don't know me, I'm the, the pastor here. It's good to have each and every one of you here uh, this morning as we launch a brand new year and a brand new series. The name of our series this, uh, to start off the year is Keep It Simple. Look at your neighbor and say, simple. See how easy that was? There we go. So here's our quest. Here's our quest over the next few weeks. And I'll explain how we got here uh, after I tell you what our journey is. Here's the quest. To incorporate simple truths and practices into our lives that will help us keep in step with the Spirit so as to be near Jesus and together as a church family. So on one side, we're going to start with some simple truths and practices, and where we hope to arrive is near Jesus and together as a church family. One of the things I, uh, one of, let me say that very clearly, one of the things that I love or value uh, about my wife is she has this incredible ability um, to take either what is complex or what is nothing, what is non-existent, and in a very simple way, make it beautiful. And so sometimes I'll see pictures of our house on social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, and I'll see it and I'm like, that house is awesome. And then I'll look closer and I'm like, that's my house. Okay, now our house is not large. It's less than 900 square feet. We haven't spent a lot of money on decor, but in a very simple way, she's made it really cool. Let me tell you one other story. I used to play flag football. I say used to because my ankles don't work like that anymore. I used to play flag football, and whenever I would play flag football, there was always one guy on the team. Okay, I was quarterback, so I had to call the plays, who would come into the huddle and say, okay, reverse, double reverse, triple reverse, flea flicker pass. Let's do that. And I'd always look at him and say, no, don't overcomplicate the game. We have the fastest guy on the field. You run, I throw, you catch, we score touchdown, right? Or everyone run five yards and turn around. Let's not make complicated what could be simple. Don't overcomplicate the game. Set in the positive, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Now, when it comes to spiritual growth or spiritual things, our faith, of course, is not simple. There's a lot of complexity to it. Uh, when it comes to life, there's a lot of complexity and messiness to life. Certainly understand that. But our job or our quest over the next seven weeks, this week and seven weeks after, is to take the complexity and to try and find within it some simple truths and some simple practices that will lead us close to Jesus and together as a church family. Simple, not necessarily easy, but simple and meaningful. Simple and meaningful. Now, typically, I like to teach through like 9, 10, 11, 12, 18 verses uh, in a week. And now, in this series, intentionally, we're going to simplify it. We're going to look at one, two, three lines of scripture or so. And instead of going uh, long, we're going to keep it short uh, as far as the amount of passage and try to understand everything we can. And we're trying to do that to keep it simple. If you were here last week, kind of like that, we looked at two or three lines of scripture and we drew out what was simple but meaningful 
within it. And so that's going to be what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. Now, we all have built-in defense mechanisms when it comes to having practices, habits, or truths that we hold onto or do in our lives. Particularly, when I use the phrase simple but meaningful, um, we'll try to flip it and we'll try to say, well, it's overcomplicated, it's too complicated. And so we use things that we think or label too complicated as a reason to do nothing. So we'll say this, the Bible, it's so big and it was originally written in other languages and I don't speak those languages. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, the King James Version, even in that language is really confusing. And so instead, what I'll do is I'll just not read it ever, right? Or prayer. I mean, prayer, it's so ethereal. Who am I actually talking to? What's actually going on in prayer? It's so complicated. So we do what? We don't pray at all. Or forgiveness. Ah, forgiveness, it's so messy, it's so complicated. Let me just stay bitter, right? And so we use what we uh, label as very complicated as a reason, it's a defense mechanism, to not do anything. Or, Or on the other side, simple but meaningful, we say, well, it's lost its meaning, so therefore I don't do it anymore. Yeah, 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 I grew up in the church, I know I'm supposed to read my Bible, it's lost its meaning. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to pray, but, uh, you know, I've been praying for years. It's lost its meaning. So our job, our hope over the next few weeks is to find these practices. These practices that, by the way, have um, been practices of the Christian church and people who profess faith in Christ for, well, about 2,000 years. The same practices. Some of them you'll be familiar with. Some of them you might be unfamiliar with. And our hope and our job is to find the simple action step to follow the practice, but to know the deep meaning underneath. Now, today, we're not going to start with a practice. We're going to start with some simple truths. Because in the um, Christian life, we start with the truths, um, and then the actions come later. We don't act so to receive God. God gives us grace. We hear the truth of his grace, and then that prompts action on our part. So this morning, uh, we're not going to talk about any of the practices. That'll be the next seven weeks. Today, we're going to talk about some simple truths, some simple truths that we need to hold on to and to grasp. This whole passage, uh, I'm sorry, this whole series is going to start in one verse here in Galatians chapter 5. We'll have multiple other verses every other week, but we'll come back to this verse. It's a verse I'd encourage you to memorize, and it's simple. Galatians 5, 25. If you live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. One verse, one line. Pretty easy. You can memorize it before you leave today. I want to walk through this verse today. It starts, if we live by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit. Even this phrase, let's try and simplify it a little bit. Instead of saying, if you live by the Spirit, which uh, what Paul is implying there is he's just gotten done teaching on the fruits of the Spirit, and he's talking about how we don't live under the law anymore. Uh, now we live in freedom, and uh, because we've crucified the, the, the sinful nature in Jesus, and, and so now we're free in the Spirit. And so he says, if you live by the Spirit, that's where the, verse, the previous lines came from. But let's just make it even easier than that. So he's saying, if we live by the Spirit, let's say this. If you call yourself a new Testament Christian. If you're a Christian, we would say it. If you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, say it however you want. 
if you're a Christian, then this. Now, let's dig on, dig down into that a little bit. The gospel. The gospel itself, which um, the Apostle Paul wrote, is the power of God for salvation. The gospel. The gospel is a simple truth. Simple truth. Profound impact. Simple truth. Tim Keller, one of my favorite authors and writers, says this. He says, this is the gospel, that we are more deeply flawed and sinful than we dare believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than we dare hope. Said another way, you're more messed up than you'll ever give credit for. And you're more loved, embraced, and accepted in Christ in the middle of that messiness than you could ever imagine. Your greatest day of imagination still has not yet fully understood how much he loves you. Simple truth. This is the gospel. We're messed up, but Christ loves us a lot. So much so that he would give his son for us. This leads us into um, five simple truths that are um, all for all of humanity. This is whether or not you're a Christian or not. You would profess faith in Christ or not. You still, all of humanity falls under these simple truths. Let me walk you through them. We see these throughout the New Testament. The first one is this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Simple biblical truth. Does it still have its meaning for you? Has it lost its meaning? What it means, I have a friend who used to say it this way. It means we've all given God the middle finger. A little more gruesome way of looking at it. We've told him, I don't want anything to do with you or your righteousness. Whether we grew up in church or not. Whether we think I'm a pretty good person or not, we've all rejected God. All of us. The second simple truth is this then, that there's consequences to that rejection. Death. The wages of sin is death or eternal separation from God. Eternity, that means hell. On life, in life, that just means life on your own, apart from God. All of us have sinned. That sin deserves death. Simple truth. Has it lost its meaning or does it still have it for you? The third one. This is when it gets better. <laughs> the third truth is this, that while we were sinners, while we were rejecting him, he died for us. It is hard for us to show love to anyone. It's harder for us to show love to those who have rejected us. God showed us love when we were his enemies showed us his love. The fourth truth is how he did it. He took our sin upon himself. Simple truth. Christ went and hung on the cross, and on the moment on the cross, all that was wrong, evil, dark, unrighteous, sinful, rejection, rebellion that was in me fell on him. Completely unfair. Which means that I now stood sinless and all of Christ's righteousness and perfection now when I step into faith falls on me. What an exchange. Simple truth has it lost its meaning for you or does it still have it? And then the last truth is this, that those who embrace Christ, those who step into this gospel, 
the Holy Spirit now indwells, empowers the believer. We start at the beginning, rebelling, rejecting God. It leads to death. He takes our sin. He loves us. And then he empowers us with his Holy Spirit. This is the gospel. Simple truths, deeply meaningful. Now, what happens then for the believer when you step into that? Well, what's supposed to happen is we're not supposed to be engaged in this process. The theological term is sanctification, where we are becoming more Christ-like, where the, the flesh or the sinful side of us is falling away, and we are uh, looking more and more Christ-like, where we begin to change. Other people notice the change. They look in and they say, you're nicer. You're more loving or peaceful or patient. You've changed. This is the process that the Christian is supposed to go through called sanctification. And uh, eventually, one day, Christ calls us back. We get to live in a sinless, perfect environment with him. Up until then, though, we battle the spirit and the flesh. And you know that battle. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. This is a process the Christian is supposed to go to. Paul calls it becoming more deeply rooted. He uses a, you know, a gardening term that, that our roots grow in, they get deeper and deeper. And as the roots grow deeper and deeper into Christ, we blossom and look and resemble Christ more. This is the simple path of the Christian life. Now I'll mix my metaphors here a little bit. And I'll say it this way. Uh, what's, uh, where we're supposed to arrive is, is a gospel lens or perspective. When I was 14 years old, I got a lot of headaches. And at some point in time, that led my parents to say, you should go see a doctor. You should go see an eye doctor. And so I went and saw an eye doctor as a 14-year-old. And they told me, you definitely need glasses. There's something wrong with your eyes. And so they gave me glasses. I remember it was July 3rd when my glasses arrived because there was a party that night. And I thought I was going to look super cool as a freshman with my brand new glasses. And so I showed up to the party with my brand new glasses. But before I went to the party, I went golfing. And I remember I'd always seen people, like when I was golfing, like get down and look behind the golf ball, like on the green. And I always wondered, what are they doing? But I would do it anyway, because that's what everybody else did. Well, the first time I had my glasses on and I did it, I realized, oh, you can see the break in the green. That's why they do this. I didn't know that before. And so I had my new lenses. A gospel lens looks at life differently. All of it. The point of putting on the gospel lens is now everything you see on the other side is different. What's on the other side? All of life. Your money, sex, relationships, marriage. Everything is on the other side. And the point of this sanctification process is that the lens changes so you look at everything differently. You don't have the same perspective that you once did. Jesus often referred to it as the kingdom. It's like a world within a world where you view everything differently than how everyone else views it in the other world. What makes the other world afraid? The Christian can find peace in. It's a gospel lens. Now, every once in a while, for me, that's about every two years, I have to go and I have to get my prescription updated because my eyes have changed. And so I go back in and they tweak it around a little bit and then they uh, you know, send me new glasses and I put them on. I say, oh my goodness, I see again. 
Now, it's not nearly as much of a shock as it was at 14, but it's a fix. For some of us, this series might be putting on glasses for the first time. It might be embracing the gospel and a gospel lens and a gospel perspective for the first time. Others of us, this series might just be an updated prescription because there are certain things in your life um, that you're not seeing through a gospel lens anymore. And you're not seeing them through a gospel lens. And so um, there's a secluded part of your life, whether it's public or private, seen or not seen, that doesn't fall through the gospel lens. It's not being seen through it. And you need a little prescription update so that that thing, too, would be viewed with a gospel lens. Now, the way the writer says it is this. He says, if we live by the Spirit... Let us also, let us also, this little phrase, let us also, there's, there's a couple of things in there. One, it's um, telling us, it's, and it's prompting action. It's saying there's something or a role that you and I play in this. We have to do something. The other thing about it is that um, it is both individual and corporal. Our faith is both personal and corporate. It's both of them. So a lot of times people will say, oh, no, 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 faith is personal. Faith is just personal. It's just me and God. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is, but no, it's not. Sure, you have a personal relationship with God, right? You do realize though, that that phrase is not in the Bible. <laughs> it doesn't say grow your personal relationship with God, right? Is our relationship with God personal? Yes, but um, our personal relationship with God in the scripture is always talked about through the context of the corporate faith of the church, right? That's why we say church is a family. But faith is a family. So let us also. Now, on the individual side, it's prompting us to action. And spiritual growth uh, throughout the scriptures uh, seems slightly paradoxical. And what I mean by that is you have the authors, almost every single one of the new authors saying one thing, and you also have them simultaneously saying something else that seems opposite. Here's what I mean. All of the New Testament authors, Paul says it this way, make every effort. James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, he's really clear. He says, do these things. Peter says, add to your life this. John says, practice righteousness. The writer of Hebrews uh, says, have discipline, pedia. We talked about that at this time last year, to discipline ourselves, right? And so they all talk about the individual responsibility that falls upon all of us to grow in faith. And so we should. You know what they also talk about? This power Words dunami, where we get our word dynamite. This power that Jesus initially says in Acts chapter one will fall upon you. That each of the, those same authors also talk about how this power, which is implying the Holy Spirit, comes upon the believer to empower the efforts, the change, the adding to all of the things that the writers talk about. So there's this um, uh, like dual nature of our spiritual growth where it's I do something and the Holy Spirit empowers that something. both. And so when there's the Christian who says, well, how do you change? Well, the Holy Spirit will just change me. Yes, but how will the Holy Spirit change you? Or others of us who have um, grown up in a system where I do, 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 do until you don't. Right? And we've all seen that. 
The person who grew up in the Christian faith who, who did, 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 did. I mean, they did church three times a week. They did their devotions. They did this. And then all of a sudden, they went from did, did, did to I'm out. Our quest is to find the simple but meaningful practices that will lead us where? Close to Jesus and together as a church family. If we live by the Spirit, let us also what? Keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. This phrase, keep in step, could also be walk, right? Uh, and it's a Greek word, stoike. And here's what this word means. It's like following a line leader. Following a line leader. That's what the word means. You remember elementary school? In elementary school, at least in my elementary school, they would give out job titles, right, at the beginning of each week. And you would get there, and the teacher would reveal the job title. And it was like, you know, you have to clean the lunchroom or, or whatever, you know, feed the class pet, right, whatever. But one of them, at least in my school, was line leader. Okay, that was a great job. It was my favorite job, little, you know, nine-year-old tyrant me, okay? Line leader. Now, here's what it meant to be the line leader. It meant that when your class left the classroom, you were first. You were first. And so you would bravely lead your class down the hallway. And as you would bravely lead your class down the hallway, though, you weren't going where you wanted to go. Where were you going? Where the teacher had told you to go. And what would happen is your class would line up next to you, and if one of them stepped out, you had permission to whip them. It was incredible. <laughs> Not true. Okay, that part. Now, you would walk. Now, here's what would happen. If the students behind you were keeping in step, that meant that they were in close proximity to each other. And so line leader would have to walk an appropriate pace. It also meant by default, that if they were following you and you were following what the teacher had said, that they were following what the teacher had said. So they were being obedient to the teacher and they were close in proximity to each other. Elementary school. Everything you need to know, right? So what does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? It means to follow the line leader. Now, here's where the metaphor breaks down slightly, I will admit. The Holy Spirit is not just an, um, uh, a peer that God all of a sudden was like, you be better than everyone else. All right? Our line leader is God, the Holy Spirit. The Scripture teaches us that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit through the mutual submission of the Trinity, right, the glad submission of the Trinity one to another, is uh, that the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus. That is, Jesus is the head of the church. The Holy Spirit leads the church to follow Jesus. So to keep in step with the Holy Spirit is for us to let the Holy Spirit, both as individuals and as a church, is to let the Holy Spirit go first and for us to just fall in line behind him. And what happens if we keep in step? Well, it means that we're obeying Jesus. We're elevating and exalting Jesus and it also means that we're in close proximity to each other, that we follow the one Holy Spirit, which means this. 
that if you find yourself either isolated and alone or you find yourself not obeying Jesus, then what have you done? You've stepped out. You're not keeping in step. You're not following the line leader because that's what the line leader does. He helps us to follow Jesus and to stay in close proximity to each other. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In the Old Testament, the way this looked uh, as a picture for us to understand, the children of Israel were moving. And when they were moving, they were going from slavery to freedom, which is just a picture of our Christian life, stepping out of the enslavement of sin into the freedom of Christ. Right In the Old Testament, we called it Egypt and Sinai. Right, They were in physical enslavement and they went to physical freedom. For us, um, it's spiritual freedom into, or spiritual enslavement into spiritual freedom. And as they were on their journey, God sent them a line leader in the form of a cloud by uh, day and the, a pillar of fire by night. And you know what they would do? When the cloud moved, they moved. And when the cloud stopped, they stopped. And when the cloud went left, they went left. And when the cloud went right, it went right. And maybe you'll say, well, yeah, if there was a cloud out in front of me, that would be way easier. Our cloud is the Holy Spirit inside of us. That fifth truth. The Holy Spirit now indwells and empowers the believer to keep us in step. Now, keeping in step, by the way, is, is living the godly life. And what do we know of what the scripture says about the godly life? We know a lot. We know that Jesus said that it is the life that is truly life. We know all of the promises of Scripture. Now, we also know that the the godly life doesn't necessarily mean an easy life. It wasn't easy for Paul. He stayed in step with the Holy Spirit. means he got beat up a lot, sent on a lot of ships, and stayed in a lot of prisons. Jesus followed the Holy Spirit. He got killed for it brutally. So did the rest of the disciples. That's why simple, not easy, right? But keeping in step, the godly life. And we're still at this question, but how do you do it? Well, that's what the rest of our series is for, is to walk through these simple practices and make sure they have the meaning that they're supposed to have. Because what we would have if we all evaluated our lives is a couple of different scenarios. One, I don't engage in any of these because they're too complex or because I don't think they have enough meaning. Or I engage in them, but I've made them so complex I don't see the meaning anymore. Or I do them, but they're not meaningful for me. What we want is to know how to simply follow these practices that we've seen Christians do for 2,000 years and hold on to the deep meaning that they provide. Another metaphor that we would see in Scripture is this. In the Old Testament, um, at the beginning of the commencement of humanity or the the Israelite people being able to experience God's presence on an ongoing basis, um, they had an altar. And on the altar, there was a fire. Now, who started the fire? God. God started the fire in the first altar. And the fire started, and the fire represented the spirit or the presence of God. And so they built this altar, and then God starts this fire. Now, what did the priests do? 
They had a system of practices, procedures that they were given directly by God to keep doing in order to keep the fire going. And if they followed these practices, it kept the fire burning. The fire burning was the presence of God for the nation. What's the metaphor? You and I can't start the fire of love for God in our own hearts. Why? Well, that first truth is that we all reject and rebel him. God starts the fire. He starts the fire of love for him. And some of you have felt it. I hope all of us have. If you haven't, I hope you are. The fire of the gospel, that's something burning inside of you that says, I was and I did reject him, but he loved me. He embraces me more than I can dare imagine. And it starts a fire, a fire that burns love for him, that just wants more of Jesus. And once the fire is started, then what? Well, then God teaches us through his scripture practices on how to keep that fire burning. So over the next seven weeks, actually, let me say it this way. Here's all I need from you today. First, first, is to grasp and hold on again to these simple truths of the gospel. Those simple truths of our rebellion, uh, but his love. To hold on to that. And secondly, the only Second thing I need from you today is this. Will you commit with me for seven weeks, next seven weeks, to walk through these simple but meaningful practices? Why? Because at the end, at the end, where are we? We're near, obedient, and intimate with Christ, and we're together as a church family. We all hopefully know the benefits of being near and intimate with Christ. We also then have the benefits of being together as a church family, loving one another, encouraging one another, and all of the different verses on how it is to operate as a church family. And it happens when we keep in step with the Spirit, and we keep in step with the Spirit. When we implement some of these things into our lives, we let God teach us through them. And they are simple, not easy but they're deeply meaningful. Thanks for watching this video. We hope you'll join us for one of our services on Sunday at 9 or 10.30 a.m. in the Levis Commons Movie Theater. Now with the new year come new things. So if you want to find out more about our church, visit us at our new web address, experienceredemption.com. Have a great week.